0: Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we reflect on the power of preaching and explore how lay people can be instrumental in connecting the pulpit and the pew.
1: Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop: Building the Church at Home, a place where faith and family meet.
0: Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo.
1: And I'm Father Stephen Ingram. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Today, we're excited to have on Deacon John O'Leary, who's joining us to break open the topic of preaching as seen as a two-way communication and an opportunity for encounter with the living God. Deacon John is the Associate Director at the Institute for Homiletics at the University of Dallas, and I know him personally from my previous assignment at Prince of Peace, where he serves as a deacon. So we've been working together for many years, and it's a joy to be back with you today, John.
2: Likewise, Father, it's good to see you again, and I understand congratulations are in order that you've uh, been officially named Pastor of oh, St. Yeah. Joseph's, which is a excellent move for you, and uh, as you know, we were very sad to see you leave, mm. Prince of Peace, but very happy for the opportunity that you've had, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're doing very well here, at least based on the conversations we've had. You know, you got your hands full. It always is. You know, running a parish is a is a big responsibility and lots of duties with it, so...
1: Um, I continue to pray for your ongoing success in uh, being a pastor. Well, thank you so much. It it really has been a joy coming to this community. Um, It was sad for me to leave Prince of Peace, especially having been there for four years, built up a lot of connections and, um, you know, a lot of people that I still think about on a regular basis and hope they're doing well in their ministries um, and in their lives. Um, You know, this is... This topic that we're covering today um, is a really special one for me. One, because I was involved with the Institute (laughs) of Homiletics last year. Um, I'd made a commitment to um, go through the program that you have for priests um, on a personal level, but then I was moved here to St. Joseph and you know All the challenges of getting up to speed on being a pastor, on getting to know a new community drew me away from that program, but I really had a wonderful experience with it while I was with the program, um, working with you and Dr. Carla um, on the wonderful joys that we can bring into people's lives yeah. by preaching and also having a mind of preaching to the people. Um, and intertwined with all of this, even though it means a lot to me personally, Um, It also means a great deal to, of course, Deacon John, who's part of the Institute, and also Emily, as she's preparing for a new stage in her life. Emily, would you like to talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yes. So sadly, um, this is going to be my last episode on St. Joseph's Workshop, at least as a co-host. Maybe in the future I'll be invited back. Um, But I have, you know, been discerning for a long time just I always seek to do the Lord's will and to go where he calls me. And I have felt, you know, of recent that he has been putting a challenge in front of me and actually doors have opened to me to be able to work with Deacon John at the Institute for Homiletics. So this is my last week here at the parish and I will be moving on um, to a new stage in life. Um, Personally, spiritually, professionally, um, I feel God is calling me to grow and I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about this topic and the, the focus on evangelization, because I think for a long time as a lay person, I felt like I couldn't really do anything with that. You know, that's up to the priest or the deacon. Um, but now what I've learned about the Institute, I feel like there's so much that lay people can do in this relationship, as you mentioned in preaching, it's not just sitting and listening. Um, it really is this relationship and we're going to break that open today. And so I'm excited to share it with all of you. Um, as we move forward.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I want to, Thank you, Emily, uh, for your long service here at Saint Joseph, and especially in being my co-host for this podcast. When I came here, you and Father Jason had already gotten this going, and I was very unsure as to whether I wanted to have a podcast. <laughs> um, you know, but this relationship has really been a wonderful one, and I've I've come to see the value um, of my contribution and be greatly supported by you in your contribution to this podcast. Um, And so we definitely will want to have you back at some (laughs) point, um, you know, and see what's been going on, check up with you. And one of the great blessings, uh, you know, in this transition is knowing that you're still a parishioner here. We haven't lost (laughs) you entirely, (laughs) even though you won't be working with us day to day like you have been. Um, You'll be working with Deacon John more regularly. We're still going to see you you know we're still going to experience some of the joys and the blessings that you have to give just on a different level
0: yes thank you you know this as you mentioned you know is nervous for you to step into this even for me whenever father jason had initially suggested opening this in the midst of covid as a way to reach our parishioners and offer them support to strengthen the domestic church um it was also a challenge for me i feel <laughs> like god has you know called us both out of the boat um to to new lands, to be able to try to reach people in a different way. Our hope has always been that this is can serve as a tool to strengthen people, to offer them inspiration, or maybe learn from my mistakes. (laughs) Um, So I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm following this podcast on my own, you know, streaming service. So I will continue to listen to you and the people that come on the show. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity as well.
2: Yeah. And we're very excited to have you joining the Institute. Um, You know, we're, we're a very new entity. We're just a little over two years old, and, and we're a small staff, and uh, everybody is very involved in the in, in the work that we do, and so we're excited to have you join us. You bring a, a depth of experience, having worked in the parishes for so many years, that um uh, we believe will be a real contribution to us and uh, we look forward to having you in the program and just growing and helping us to grow the program. So,
0: Thank you, Deacon. Yes, I, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity and I'm excited and scared all at once, all that turmoil <laughs> of mix of emotions. Um, but I, I want to talk about this institute. I want to talk about this whole topic so that Everyone else can catch it. They can catch the enthusiasm, especially because we do have clergy here at St. Joseph who are continue to participate in it, so we can mm-hmm. maybe learn how they can be able to support them in that journey.
1: Yeah, even though I was part of the program and had to drop out, um, <laughs> we still have two of our deacons here at St. Joseph's going through the program, uh, Deacon John Carlisle and Deacon Hector Rodriguez. Um, and they have really been experiencing a lot of growth in the midst of this program as they've been doing it for the last year. Um, They've been challenged in a lot of ways um, and have been trying some new things that you might have (laughs) noticed if you've been paying attention to them as they're preaching each month. Um, But they, they really have been growing in a lot of ways, learning about you know, how they can best connect with the people. And it's, it's a really powerful experience to see them, even though I wasn't able to continue on with it in my situation, I'm looking forward to this time when I will be able to rejoin the program and, you know, get back into that.
0: Yes. Well, um, Deacon John, since we have you here, before we break into the Institute, let's, I would like you to in, tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, your call to ministry, and then also specifically your call to preaching.
2: Okay. Well, uh, just as a little bit of background, I'm a deacon. I've been ordained for 21 years for the diocese. Um, I have a family, all of my kids are grown and we have uh, nine grandkids now. Um, and, uh, but my wife and I are an empty nest and we're very happy to have grandkids come back and stay with us. <laughs> um, I worked for many years uh, in the advertising business and uh, a number of years ago I decided it was time for change. And uh, an opportunity opened up at the uh, diocese. And I went to work at the diocese as the director of the diaconate. Um, and I did that for seven years. Um, and at the time I joined, there had been a panel formed to uh, to work on, on you know, taking a look at for at our formation program for the deacons and how do we improve it. And so I was part of that effort and, and starting to implement that. But as I went through, one of the areas that I felt we needed a lot of work in yet was preaching. Um, you know, we had some wonderful people teaching preaching, but it wasn't really their backgrounds. Mm. So uh, one of the philosophies I, I had learned in the in the secular world was, well, if you're interested in doing something to learn about something, go out and learn about it. And it turns out that there's a, a conference every other year at the University of Notre Dame. It's called the Martin Homiletic Conference. And I decided to go to that conference with the intention of finding teachers of homiletics um, (laughs) and who I could bring into the diocese to help us out. And um, it was a wonderful experience. And I encountered this lady there by the name of Dr. Carla Bellinger. And Carla and I formed this relationship um, as well as uh, I did with Father Mike Connors. And... um, at that time, Notre Dame was doing this new program um, uh, under a grant from the Lilly Foundation called Preaching for Encounter. And uh, I said to Father Mike, I said, Father, can I go sit in and learn more about this? And he said, yeah, you can do that, but we're not really interested in deacons. And I said, okay, well, <laughs> I'll sit in anyhow. So I did and, um, you know, heard about the program and what was going on. It was a one-year program that they were doing at that point. And, um, he, couple months later called me and said, hey, would you like to have a group of deacons in the program? And I was like, oh, this is a change of heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, we couldn't do it at that point, so we had a group of priests in. And Father, Father Jason was actually the uh, one of the first priests uh, who went through the encounter program when it was at Notre Dame. Anyhow, Carla and I formed a relationship off of that. I brought her into the diocese and did some work with her, and um, gradually we continued to maintain our relationship. And I learned of this uh effort that was going on to form the institute for homiletics um that there was a an effort um locally to to start this institute and uh, so i was tracking it and uh, carla and i actually collaborated throughout the whole process because they had really wanted her to come in and be the director and so ultimately she did accept the position and uh and i joined her as the associate director uh, as I tell people, she is the homiletics expert. I'm the operations and the deal with all the other things that go on with running an institute. And we're we're just a small group at this point. So
0: wonderful. Now, how many people? I think you mentioned that you personally experienced going through the, that process initially when it was at Notre Dame. How many people were in that cohort?
2: Uh, there was about thirty to forty people in that cohort. Okay. Um, there was. We were the only group of deacons when I went through. Uh, we had priests from the, uh, Archdiocese of Chicago. We had priests from, uh, the Archdiocese of New York and priests from, I think it's an Archdiocese of Newark, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, you know, about 30 of us, uh, in the program at that point, it was a one year program, um, at that time. And, um. Then it wound up actually wrapping up at the end of COVID. So we didn't even get to finish the way they normally would like to. But uh, it was a great learning experience. Um, and there was 11 deacons from the diocese who were involved in the program and went through it uh, yeah. at that time.
1: Yeah, you know, that that experience of being in a cohort, you know, with people who are going along this journey with you, I think is a really important part of the program that the Institute runs, because it helps you recognize it's not just me working on this. Right. It's all of us learning from one another, growing together, um, and offering the experiences that each of us have had that are unique to help one another become better. Yeah. It's, it, was, it
2: was interesting to me because there's
1: a lot of feedback between people,
2: but one of the, one of the aspects of the program is, is the first, it's a peer group learning program, if you will, uh, where we do have like five sessions out of town where we work with the priest on on very uh, technical aspects of homilies, but during the uh, other times of the year, the priest and the deacons they meet in peer groups, groups mm-hmm. of eight to ten um, and they talk amongst each other they they you know form a community um, and they talk about their experiences of preaching, they talk about what 's going on in their life. Uh, we have a, a book for them to use as kind of a textbook, and there's a reading that they have and some suggested extra readings and discussion questions. And then as part of that, uh, that community meeting, if you will, they then critique a couple homilies of each other and give each other feedback on them. Um, but one of the things that struck me about the program was that uh, the first four sessions were focused much more on spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, okay, and when we got to uh, our, our winter retreat, and we really started talking about the technical aspects of homiletics, it was like, well, why did we get this? But what you start to realize is, if you don't have a great spirituality, if you're not working on your spiritual life, your preaching really isn't going to be that strong. I mean, because, you know, we talk about trying to help people to encounter Jesus Christ, but We've got to encounter Christ ourselves, mm-hmm. and we've got to have this strong relationship there and, and pay attention to our spiritual life. So that was a really growing aspect for me, uh, part of the program at that point. And it just made all the sense in the world, and, and that's part of what we do now. Um, you know, at the end of that program, uh, the priest had gone through it, and one of the priests who had gone through from our diocese commented to Carla, I felt like I was just getting going after the first year. And so as we started at the Institute with our first cohort, we started a two-year program um, so that the priest and those who were participating in it could continue on, and they could continue to refine and to hone their skills and to continue to grow. Um, And we added another aspect to it, which is the part that Emily is going to be very involved with, and that is we call it the St. Joseph Preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Saint Joseph preachers, if you, uh, if you think about it, Saint Joseph never spoke in the Gospels; he just mm-hmm. listened, right? <laughs> and, and that is the, uh, the 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 rationale behind it is, you know, people are sitting in the pews and they're hearing homilies, but how are they hearing it? What are they hearing? Mm-hmm. Father might have an idea of what he wants them to hear. But what he's saying might not really resonate with them. So this group, the St. Joseph Preachers Group, is really a group of lay listeners. And what what we do is, is, for the first year of the program, they have a separate textbook, and it is teaching them how to be a good listener. And what we're going to be doing now in our second year is they will start to meet with their preachers. And there's usually a group of about eight to ten uh, and they will meet with their preachers and start to give them feedback. the The emphasis of it is: you are not critiquing Father, you are not critiquing your deacon. What you're doing is you're saying, "This is what I heard. This is how it moved me. This is how it touched me. What was the message? You know, did I hear?" You know, was there one singular message, or did I hear multiple messages? And so this really is, it's the first time anything has been done like this, to the best of our knowledge. Um, And we've also done surveys in the parishes, where we've literally uh, passed out surveys in the parishes where our deacons are, and they have lay groups. And we have all that information, and we're tabulating it now and going through it to see what the community is saying. Uh, as well. So it's kind of a, a first-year experiment, if you will, and uh, it, it's going very well, and uh, we've got some great feedback and some great comments from And, you know, it's, it, it requires also on the part of the priest and the deacons to be open, mm-hmm. uh, to be open to hearing what, what people are giving them back, because that's, you know, it's critical that the, the people in the pews are moved by what they hear at the,
1: in the homilies. Yeah, and, and that element of getting the feedback— is is a really challenging one because a lot of times our default is, what would I have done? Yeah, yeah. You know, what would I have talked about? And you know, recognizing that each of these preachers is an individual and is in a lot of times very different communities or preaching to different groups within that community. Uh, you know, and recognizing that each homily is going to be unique as a result of that because it's the fruit of the homilist spiritual life and it's meant to bear fruit in those who are listening to the homily. And a lot of what the preachers are being taught to practice is structuring a homily so that it can be heard well, it can be received well by the people hearing it, that the message he wants to deliver is actually what the people are hearing and getting that feedback, not just from the perspective of, well, what would you have wanted Deacon to preach about or Father right. to preach about, right. but is he actually getting the message he wants to get across? Across, yeah, you know, is it actually doing what he wants it to do? Is a powerful mode of feedback, yeah, uh, because it it helps him, helps me, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, refine right. right the way in which I'm delivering my message, yeah so that people actually do hear what I want them to hear, which is really important when I've got important messages, you know, and, and that's really the benefit of this. And, you know, it, it helps me reflect on how, you know, this, this idea, this, you know, topic of preaching for encounter, it works both ways. It's meant for an encounter with the Lord that that's, you know, the spiritual connection with God that bears fruit in how we connect with one another yeah. and providing this feedback as a two-way communication rather than just, we often think about the priest just preaching yeah. and it just goes out. It's the broadcast, but giving the feedback in a way that's actually constructive is a powerful way for this to be also about encounter with the people being preached to. Yeah and i I just find that that concept really helps build far more charity yeah. into the homily
2: yeah and, and and I think part of building that charity into the homily is is also recognizing who we're talking to um you know as as as, as we're preaching a homily, you know we have different communities out there um and different people involved, and that really the, you know uh, the, The foundation for a lot of what we do comes from the book that Carla wrote called Connecting Pulpit and Pew. Um, And and she did a study while she was in the homiletics program, uh, getting her degree in homiletics um, on listeners. Um, Mm. And she talked to youth and got feedback from young teenagers, you know, young adults. And it was like, well, you're not really talking to me. Mm. Um, And so part of it is, is, how do we relate to those different audiences that are there? Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I'm assigned to Prince of Peace Catholic Church. I can tell you our 5 o'clock and our 8 o'clock Masses, Father Stephen, <laughs> you probably know this, <laughs> they skew a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, but our 10 o'clock Mass and, and the twelve fifteen Mass we have, those are a lot of families and a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a difference there because the older people are at a different place in their faith, they're at a different place in their life journey. And how do we deliver the gospel message that really has some particular relevance to them. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, you know, with the families. And I, I, you know, I think about it, um, you know, you're talking to young families, um, you know, they're busy with kids, you know, dad's working on his career and he's got all these things going on and different things happening. And, you know, to come into him and say, well, you got to be doing this and you got to be doing that. It's not realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, and their family life. So the thing is, is how do we help them to understand, you know, praying can be as simple as God, thank you for helping me out this day. Or, you know, one of, the, one of the prayers that we often say that we don't think about is just the word help. <laughs> um, you know, that's, a, that's a, uh, asking God to help us in the situations we're in. So it's how do, we, how do we take that message, that critical message of the gospel that you've talked about and the, the importance of it and what the gospel is calling us to tell, share with people and, and make it a little bit more relative to the people in the community so that they can connect with it and say, ah, there's God in my life. And then I think that's what helps them with their encounter with Jesus Christ. Um, so that's, that's, you know, I think a particular emphasis we go after is, you know, deliver the gospel message, absolutely, but how do we deliver it in such a manner that it, 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 will, it will connect with people where they are? Um, and that's, that's a challenge. Yeah,
0: Go ahead. Oh, one of the things I was just thinking about um, when you had mentioned earlier about the lay people being able to offer feedback is sometimes we, we don't account for the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm sure as Father Stephen is preparing his homilies, he has, you know, studied the gospel. He is figuring out what it is. He has the message intended that he feels his community needs But it's oftentimes I think the Holy Spirit can work through us in spite of us, even maybe not even with us being aware of it. Um, I know I've talked to some priests before where I've heard a homily that just really spoke to me, whether it was a specific word or just something, maybe small, maybe not even the main point of the homily. And when I've mentioned it to them, they were blown away. Like, oh, that's not even what I was thinking to say, or mm-hmm. that just kind of wasn't even in my notes, but the Holy Spirit can work through us in spite of us. Yeah. And so I think I'm really intrigued by this idea of the lay feedback, not as criticism as you mentioned, but sharing, how did it speak to me? Because I think that can also open the eyes of the clergy. How, how is God using you? Maybe you had no idea, um, that he said that or something on the fly that you mentioned and you opened up something vulnerable in your own life. That was the thing that really touched the hearts of the people that were listening. So to me, that's beautiful for people to be able to share that and learn how to share. And it goes back to the mission that you mentioned about focusing on renewing the spirituality of the priests and the deacons who are in the program. That was something that struck me when I was researching the Institute for homiletics on the main page, its purpose that it mentioned there was renewing the preachers mm-hmm. to renew the preaching. And I, I was thinking about that and praying about it because I think in our parish ministry, I've also found that to be true, especially in my current position. I think that it's very evident when a, a staff worker is not, does not have a, a strong spiritual life or maybe they've, they've gone astray or they're so overburdened with work that they haven't made it a priority to come back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's evident in the work that they do. Yeah. But when we are connected to the Lord, when we have a strong pair life, then we bear fruit in our ministry. And that's been a focus of mine here at St. Joseph is to really offer that space to be able to help nurture that within our staff so that we can bear fruit. And to be able to see that also in the mission here at the Institute, it makes so much sense. And you would think working in a parish that we have all this time to be with the Lord, but we're so busy. We're running back and forth by the columbarium, through the chapel, to the sacristy, and oftentimes it's very easy to just get distracted and busy working for the Lord that we're not spending time with yeah, the Lord. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is so true.
1: Uh, yeah, it it reminds me of um the the statement that or the motto even of the Benedictine order ora et labora. Yeah. Um you know, work and prayer both at the same time, <laughs> you know, where we have to have both in our lives. And yeah, we can do both at the same time. But if we get overly focused on our work, we neglect our prayer oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can get so focused on the prayer that we neglect the work. Yeah. And so trying to balance that in our day-to-day lives is a powerful thing. And, you know, that's what I really like about the program that the Institute puts out is because it focuses on both. It focuses on both the technical work of preparing and right. delivering the homily, but also the spiritual life of prayer that undergirds that work. Yeah.
2: It it You know, it, it, as you mentioned that, it just strikes me that, um, you know, I happened to be away this past week. I went, went back to Pittsburgh for a visit with my wife. And it just totally disrupted my prayer life. <laughs> <laughs> and I came back and it's like, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't been paying as much attention. But it is so, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit maybe to get your prayer life going. And it can be challenging for some people. But as you get going and you develop that relationship with God, you, you miss it when you don't pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just becomes so important. And, and, and as you talk about the Holy Spirit moving us, I mean, the Spirit is always with us. God never abandons us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, isn't that the wonderful thing about it is he never walks away from us. He's always there. Even when we think we're in the pits of life, God's there helping to hold us up. I mean, he's, he's wonderful. He's loving and compassionate Father. So, mm-hmm. sorry, I get a little bit excited.
1: <laughs> That's a good thing to get excited about. <laughs> If you're not excited about that, I don't know if you should be preaching. <laughs> and that that's really the the joy of of having that that spiritual life as yeah. the foundation for all of our lives. Yeah. It it bears itself out in more than just the preaching. Yeah. It bears itself out in everything else that we're doing. And and that's ultimately, you know, part of why we're talking about this. You know, it sounds like this is mostly for clergy. <laughs> You know oh, no. for the deacons and the priests but it, it really is something that helps us in the rest of our lives to learn you know in order to renew our lives we one have to be prayerful right and we also have to do the work yes you know and you know the the practical works with the spiritual yeah and they support one another when we're moving in that right direction. And so that that's one of the great blessings that I find in this program that's encouraged me, even though I'm not running it anymore, <laughs> you know, I'm not with it. It really did help me when I needed to keep that as a focus in integrating more in the parish of making sure that I didn't neglect my spiritual life in the midst of that. And it was a challenge in the yeah. midst of that transition. Oh yeah, You know, anytime we've got major transitions and sometimes even minor transitions in our lives, it can throw things off. You know, like you mentioned, just going away for a week. You know, it can really throw us off because we're outside of our usual context. We don't have the usual reinforcements for our spiritual life. And so we've got to be all the more intentional about keeping that alive in the midst of those transitions so that we have the foundation for doing everything in Christ. Yes,
2: yes.
0: I want to get back for a moment to our listeners. You know, as you mentioned, for the most part, we are the ones who are in the pews. We're listening during Mass. We say that um, Mass is the source and summit of our faith with the Eucharist being central. And that's where we go to be fed spiritually. A lot of people we see go to Mass. And we can look at the numbers. We have thousands of people, close to 4,000. But the reality is that many of them aren't actually engaged in the community. Maybe that's their first level of engagement and whether they're there because of obligation or maybe because that's what they've always done. Um, for some people, their experience of the mass could either draw them in to the church community more fully, or it could even push them away. And so for me, as a listener, a layperson in the pews, the homily is important. It's where I want to be nourished and I know that sometimes if there's even difficulties within our own family life, maybe with my children not obeying or maybe even within, you know, my relationship with my husband, sometimes I'm there in mass and I'm just praying like, OK, Lord, like speak, speak through the, um, the deacon or speak through the priest that whatever word can can fill us in this situation can maybe help give us some consolation or maybe can speak to them in a way that they're not hearing me or vice versa. Maybe I'm not hearing, you know, the needs of my family to speak to my heart. And so I think for many people who are listening, the homily is important. Yeah. We, we want to hear a good homily. We want to be filled and nourished. Um, so I'm curious, because we, we are here in this podcast particular to offer tools. What, without going through the program, you know, how can people affect the homily at their parish community? What are things that they can do?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a two-way street between your... your clergy and your, uh, people and taking the opportunity to, you know, as I said, as, as part of what we try to share with, with listeners is, um, feedback on what they got, what they, what they heard. Um, you know, there's so many, so many people and it's, I I know it's well-intentioned and this might, you know, but you get a lot of people who walk out of church and they say, great homily father. Mm. Um, because they don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, maybe walking out of church isn't the best time, but maybe offering to father what I heard or kind of what my needs are. Um, you know, and, and part of it also, um, and gosh, our clergy have so much to do. Uh, they're so busy. Um, but even, you know, uh, their involvement in the community and, and, mm-hmm. and people seeing them and interacting and, um, it's again as i said it's it's a challenge but you know hopefully there's open doors of communication for it um and it's you know it, it's part of the preaching is the, the preacher being attuned to what's relevant in the community and and maybe it's somebody who he saw that week who uh, you know poured out their story and maybe there's a way it fits with the gospel and, and you kind of look at that person and say well maybe if i Take my homily and I kind of speak to that person. What do they need to hear at this point? And you know, it all works into how the, you know, where things are with the gospel and if they all tie in together there. So, um, it's 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 relational, if you will, and mm-hmm. um, how we do that. So,
0: I was thinking. I know in the past we've talked about encouraging our parishioners to invite the clergy to their home mm-hmm. for dinner. And it's much more than just to get to know who they are. But I think it's part of that relational aspect of, you know, if I invite Father Stephen to my house, he'll be able to see the chaos. <laughs> you know, what's behind the scenes? You know, maybe he'll understand why my eye is twitching sometimes. <laughs> right. um, but it's about that relationship. And I, I do think that is a, a big piece of it, as you mentioned. Maybe as we walk out of the mass, one word sentence is not going to make a big yeah. difference. But if we begin those relationships with our clergy, if we invite them, to meals with our families, um, even evaluations. I was thinking about this. Oftentimes I'll get thank you notes after a big event. If something touched people's lives, I, I don't know, father, have you ever received a thank you note for having a good homily?
1: A couple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we should do that. If there is something, if you hear a homily that touches your heart, that nourishes your, your child that says something that your family needed to hear, I think it's important that we share that, that we, mm-hmm. we hear it when people are not happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. if the, I'm sure you've heard it. If it goes too long, if the parking lot gets crowded and congested, um, we hear that. But a lot of times we don't say things when it's positive, when it's impacted us in a great way. And so that would be a challenge I would give to our listeners is to give positive feedback in a way that matters after the fact. It doesn't have to be on the fly as you leave mass.
2: You know, that, that that's a, that's a great point because, you know, again, I'll go back and, you know, deacons are clergy, but not, you know, to the full extent that a priest is, but, you know, father has so much on his plate that those positive words can be so uplifting to him to know that he's touched someone's heart. Um, and that, you know, his message and his work, you know, is paying off. Um, Everybody likes to get compliments. Everybody mm-hmm. likes to hear hear good things, and I know at times whenever I've got comments from people, or you know the the, the other measure of how uh, some sometimes we're effective, you, you look at is well if you run into somebody later in the week and they say you know Father that point you made in your homily was pretty good, it was like, oh, okay somebody was listening. I guess <laughs> I guess it worked. <laughs> so I I just I kind of second your. Your your suggestion there, Emily, and that um I think giving our priests positive feedback is really important. Um they work hard mm-hmm. and uh and, and that support really helps.
1: And you know, even when you know, we're struggling with a preacher like that homily had nothing to do with my life, you know, kind of stuff. How do we give good feedback then? Because I I think that's just as important when we find that something's lacking. How do we express that in a way that's just, oh, father, you're so out of touch. Uh, (laughs) And one of the ways that in which we do that is, you know, by what Emily mentioned earlier, getting them Connected with your life, yeah. you know, and a, you know that could be bringing them to your house, you know, right. for a meal, going out for a meal, you know, if your house is a mess, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's okay too, yeah. um, you know. But sharing parts of your lives with your clergy helps them better understand who am I preaching to, yeah. what do they need in their lives. What message will encourage them to continue walking with the Lord during this coming week? You know, that's the most powerful thing for me is seeing, you know, where are these people so that I can speak to them? You know, Pope Francis encouraged pastors to smell like the sheep, you know, and the only way we can do that is by living life with the rest of our flock, with the people around us. But a lot of times we'd struggle to do yeah. that, one, because of busyness, but two, because, you know, we don't want to impose ourselves on our right. people who are also busy. And so the invitation is a powerful way to let your clergy know, hey, I'd like to share my life with you. Yeah, You know, and that will... Even if you're not specifically saying, hey, Father, you should preach about this, or deacon, you need to preach more on this topic because it would really speak to me. Sometimes you could do that. Um, But sharing your life with them helps them see more clearly what they need to preach on without you directly addressing it.
2: Yeah.
0: We used to have a a priest here, and I felt again, I have no idea, but I felt like he preached out of whatever he must have heard in the confessional. (laughs) I was like, Oh man, (laughs) is he talking to us? (laughs) Um, But you know, that's what we want. We want, it's, it's almost, it's the opportunity in, in prayer. When we pray or I speak individually, when I pray to the Lord, I'm speaking to him. You know, I, I may take time to meditate and read the gospel and try to see what he's saying to me. But I feel when I hear the homily, that's, God speaking to us. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through the deacon or speaking through the priest um, to us. So it's just a beautiful opportunity for us to be able to to listen to that. And one of the other tips I want to give for families, um, it's not just about our deacons and our priests preparing for Mass, but we need to prepare for Mass. I really encourage everyone to take time to read the Sunday readings beforehand. As a family, individually, just take time I like to do it, but the week leading up, just to soak in the message, to take some time, Lexio Divina, how is God speaking to me? Uh, Because it's, and it's also interesting to see, well, the Lord was speaking to them very differently. The message can be very different. But I think it's important for us to prepare ourselves to listen. And then to be able to have those conversations afterwards. So I know for my family, every Sunday after Mass, we always say, okay, what did you hear? So part of that is that check-in. Like, were you paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> like, let me see, what, what did the priest say? And I'm always amazed because the fact that we are coming from different perspectives, we hear different things. Yes. I may have latched onto one and my teenage son heard something and then my seven-year-old daughter heard something completely different. And so it's really neat to be able to... Based on their perspective and what they heard, I also get almost a second message from the Lord. Okay, Mm -hmm. he's speaking in this way because the word is alive. It is Mm -hmm. vibrant. It it can speak to all of our hearts in different ways. But I think if we take the time, not just putting all of the pressure on you two, um, but we also prepare our hearts for that. And then we have those conversations afterwards. It doesn't have to end with mass. It can continue on beyond that point in time.
1: And that's really what it's meant to do. Yeah. The homily is not just to fill time, right? you know? It's really meant to touch our hearts and transform what we're doing in our lives. It's meant as spiritual nourishment along with the Eucharist, which is why we do it during yes. the Sunday Eucharist, you know, and a lot of times during daily Mass, you know, so that we're continually nourished in the whole of our person by our experience of the Mass. And so, you know, taking the homily, not just as a talk, but as real spiritual nourishment for the rest of our lives is a powerful thing. Yeah.
0: Deacon John, can you talk to us a little bit more about um, St. Joseph's preachers and in particular about the, the ones who are part of the program who are selected? And I want you to talk about this because just in the last couple of weeks, what I've heard at our parish is that... Um, it was difficult for them to find the people, the lay people to be a part of this program. So we all have a a role that we can do regardless of if our priest or deacon is enrolled in the Institute. But there is a very specific program that does require um, the participation of lay people. And so I would like for all of our listeners to hear that because we hope and pray that this institute will reach further out and that maybe we're going to start preparing the seeds now so that whenever it comes to their parish community, we'll already have people who are ready and willing to jump up and be a part of it.
2: Okay. Um, Well, basically what we do is, is we ask the preachers as they come into the program um, you know, for example, we do an orientation session in the summer just before we we actually start, and we ask them to identify a lay coordinator in their parish uh, someone who will help organize a group um, and kind of keep that group on track as to what they 're doing, so that we we challenge them when we talk to them to get a mix of people from uh, more mature people, to some family members, to some young adults, even to some youths. Because as we were talking, everybody hears the homily different. And so we challenge them to get a group that has a good mix of people. Um, and then we ask them to meet once a month. They're, they're given some reading. Um, and we ask them to meet once a month as a group and to discuss their readings and to go through it and to kind of start, uh, you know, learn how to listen um, and, you know, what's important and how to work through all this. And, and some of it is working on their own spirituality as they're going through. Um, you know, spirituality in our program, I mean, as, as we talk about prayer and everything, I mean, it's, it's in everything that we do as a staff. Um, so then to meet as a group, and to start to form themselves, and to share and to grow, um, and then in that second year they will become prepared to um, sit down with Father uh, on a monthly basis and talk about what they heard. So that's that's really the core concept behind it, um, and the materials we provide them help to to form them. Um, we bring the conveners together. You know, we touch base with them a couple times a year. Um, we just recently did a uh, a morning reflection for those uh, people who participate in the, the the listener groups uh, to come together and, and share with us and talk with us, and it's an interesting experience because you know we kind of we, we focus on spirituality and growing and what they're doing and to get their feedback as to how things are going. So, you know, we try to make it as interactive as we can with the institute so that we have a good good pulse of how things are going uh, with them. But it can be a challenge getting people who are willing to make that commitment. It's just like any other community groups we try to form in parishes, I think. There's always a, a challenge of getting people who are willing to make that commitment, um, and particularly when they see that you know it's a two-year program and you're going to be making that commitment and everything. So hopefully it becomes an ongoing program, um, and it will, it will help the parish to flourish. Uh, because then also as those people grow and as they learn more, they can be evangelists within mm-hmm. the parish. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the people who are specifically a part of it—are they invited into it by that lay coordinator, or is there any? If someone had like really wanted to be a part of that program, is there any way that they could come and try to be connected with them, or or is it only if they're invited into it?
2: Well, what we try and do is, if somebody comes to us, um, if there is a group uh, in their parish. We'll try and connect them, or if they're close to it, we'll try and connect them. But then it really comes down to that lay uh, coordinator to kind of shape and form that group. Um, you know, we've had some people come to us who, who you know, heard about it and they wanted to participate. But in many cases, they really weren't, you know, in a parish because you need to be there and to hear um, the homilies mm-hmm. and be able to give feedback. You know, what 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 are the challenges we've had? Um, and and it's worked out very well. Is Bishop Kelly? Bishop Kelly is part of our first <laughs> cohort, and there is a lay group, and Bishop Kelly has to share his schedule of where he's going to be, so that they can go and hear his homilies and give him feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, Abbot Peter from the Cistercian Abbey, um, you know, he had he has a lay coordinator group, and he goes and he preaches at uh, Holy Trinity Parish down on Oak Lawn. Uh, and that's where his lay group goes to to hear him. So there's been some challenges for for a few of them, uh, but basically for the you know most of the priests and the preachers in it, it's within their own parish. So typically it's you know someone you, you really want someone who's in the parish and they're hearing the preacher all the time so that they have a
1: good feel for what's going on.
2: Um, but you know at times there's accommodations that are made.
1: Yeah, and. You know, that's one of the the real blessings of this program is it's building up connections. You know, it's building up relationships so that it's not just, you know, random person giving father feedback, which he may or may not be open to, but it really is the fruit of a true connection, a relationship that grows over time and the the priest or the deacon comes to trust more yeah. and more, so that they're more and more open to that ongoing formation of their homiletic yeah. style. Yeah,
2: and you know, hopefully the 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 people in the group are they're doing the readings, they're reflecting on it, and everything. So, it's not just somebody who's out there, you know, <laughs> they've got a bone to pick with father about his homilies. It's somebody who's, you know, taking time to understand what they're doing and understand what father's trying to accomplish, and so that they they you know, they've been formed, if you will, uh, to provide that feedback. Um, mm. and I think it, it helps them overall just as people to grow.
0: One of the things I was thinking about as we talk about the role of the priest and especially the pastor is you wear so many hats, you know, this, this is one of the things that you do. Um, but I can see that you have to handle all of the different departments, budget, all the different meetings there are so many meetings um that there's a lot on our clergy's plate and i think one thing that we can do as lay people also is just to continue to pray for them mm-hmm. um not just that they give a great homily we want that um but we also want them to be wise with the finances we want them to make good decisions when hiring um there's a lot of weight and there's a lot of work that you don't always get prepared for um when you're in ministry you might come and feel the call because you have the love of the Lord and you love to offer advice maybe. Um, and yet you get all of these other roles placed on, on top of you. So I think one thing that we can all do is just remember to keep our priests and our deacons and all those who are serving in the parish in our prayers, um, lift them up. I, I truly feel that people who are called to serve the Lord oftentimes have more spiritual warfare and maybe more challenges that they are faced so they can use um, your prayers.
1: Absolutely. I can use your prayers. Deacon John can use your <laughs> please, prayers. Please. You know, um, that that is one of the the foundations of this program is mutual prayer for one another. You know, the the priests are called to pray for their people yes. in their preparation. You know, it's not just about their connection with the Lord. It's about, you know, the Lord filling everybody. And we know the Lord wants to bring us all together in communion. Yeah. And so you know that that really is the core of this program no matter what role you have in it even if you're not actually involved with the program directly but you know you just want to support your priest your deacon yeah. in his homiletics anybody can pray even <laughs> outside yeah. of this and that spiritual connection also opens us up to hearing where the spirit's moving more clearly because we're expecting the spirit to be yeah. moving there more um, you know, a lot of times we focus on, well, is the prayer effective? You know, is God going to just do what I ask him to do? A lot of times we forget the effect that prayer has on us in opening ourselves to recognizing the Lord's presence more clearly. And so no matter where you fall on, you know, whether this program's part of your life or not, you can pray. Yes. And I yes. encourage you to. Yes. Yes.
0: And I'll do a little shameless plug for the Institute. Um, It is the only Institute for homiletics in the United States, I believe. It is, And it reaches beyond the Dallas boundaries. So if you're listening to this, and I know we have listeners all over the U.S. and even throughout the world, um, maybe not a lot, but we see you on those (laughs) analytics. Um, You can reach out to the Institute to see if this is something that you might be able to bring to your own diocese. And I'll include that information in our show notes.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. You know, one other item we didn't touch on, I'd just like to add, um, research. Um, That is another element of the uh, Institute. And in fact, uh, the Lilly Foundation uh, has given us a grant um, for a program they have, which is called the Compelling Preaching Initiative. Mm -hmm. And we are actually uh, doing additional work in the research area. And our focus is on listeners, uh, and particularly young adults and youth. Because that seems to be where within the church we're, um, we're tending to lose a lot of people. We lose people early. And and so what our study, and it's a five-year study, is intended to do is to help us to better understand how we can reach out and um, reach listeners and how we can, you know, in our homilies and in our work, how we can connect better with that audience um, and, you know, sometimes we get so focused on our Preaching for Encounter program and everything that we, 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 we tend to forget that the Institute is doing a lot more at this point. Uh, we've got a lot of time invested in doing this research, and we, uh, we, we also are doing research on all of how our efforts in preaching are working. So it's, uh, it's an important element of the, of the program and um, something that we're very much committed to. So it's not just helping to renew the preaching, but we're also doing the research it guides us in renewing preaching and not just for today but for also for tomorrow for the growth of the church.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah, so if if you do encounter in your own parish an opportunity to give feedback, an yeah. opportunity to engage in a research opportunity, you know, consider responding to that. Yeah. You know, so that we can get that good data to improve the program, to improve, you know, our way in which we're reforming, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. we're, we're, changing, renewing, the renewing. renewing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if that's another way to give some feedback because, you know, the results of this study are going to be sent out, yeah. you know, around the U S around the world. And, you know, if, if we've got good data, if we've got comprehensive data that will convince more of our preachers to, more relevant to yes. the people in the pews. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, thank you so much for coming on, Deacon John. Oh, it's it, been, it's a- been a joy <laughs> having you. Um, good to reconnect with you after a while away. Um, you know, as as we're coming to the close of this episode, unfortunately, it's a goodbye to Emily. <laughs> um, you know, and I've been so grateful for her work in promoting this podcast and supporting me and in producing it. Um, And so as she's going away, things are going to change a little bit. You know, we've got a nice plan for what our topics are going to be. I'm going to be having some guests on over the coming weeks uh, to support me, Um, but you won't be hearing Emily's wonderful voice alongside mine um, until she comes back as a guest on her own. Um, And so we're going to be cycling through until we find a new host, a new co-host with me Um, and maybe we'll stay cycling. I don't know it's a, it's an adventure, you know, new stage in the podcast. Um, But we're still going to be presenting it every other week. Um, And we're going to, we've got a great lineup of topics coming up. Um, So I encourage you to keep listening. Um, And again, check out that Institute for homiletics over at the university of Dallas. Um, they're doing some wonderful stuff. And so if you'd like more information, they've got some good stuff on their website to get a little bit of a deeper idea of how they're doing what we've been talking about today. Yep.
0: And I just want to also say, um, thank you Deacon John for coming and thankfully no fights broke out today. (laughs) (laughs) Transition from one stage of life to the other professionally. Um, I'm so. Again, I just want to say I'm so thankful for the opportunity that I have had to be on Saint Joseph's workshop. Um, the way that God has called me out of my own comfort zone, and I will continue to pray for you, Father. And as you mentioned, we have um, our different faith formation directors lined up over the next couple of weeks, and months to help it out. And they all come from different stages of life. They have different focuses on ministry. So I think you'll really enjoy the topics that they cover. And, you know, we talk about feedback, so feel free to reach out to them and let them know if there's something that you liked, um, in a positive way, if something touched you, please share that so that they know that the spirit is working here and they can, t- can continue to do good things.
2: Amen. Amen. And thank you for having me. It's been a joy being with both of you. It's so good to see Father again, and Emily. It's a start of a new, new, new adventure. So, uh, thank you for the being able to join you. It's been it's been fun. It's been a great opportunity to share.
1: Well, as we bring this episode to a close, we pray for the intercession of our patron, Saint Joseph, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Saint Joseph,
0: pray for pray us. for us,
1: head of the holy family. Pray Pray for for us. Glory of family life. Pray Pray for us. Cornerstone of families. Pray Pray for for us. Protector of holy church. Pray Pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, grant we pray that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home.